Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Madman Recap. My name is Paul, and I will be your host. I'm coming to you high atop the Brooklyn studios here in beautiful Brooklyn, New York. And I, as always, I have with me uh, pretty much every show now, except for that one show that fell apart, uh, the best <laughs> co-host in the world, uh, Dr. John. How are you? Hey, good evening. I'm doing great. How are things? Uh, good. You're coming to us strong from Columbus, Ohio. That's right. Um, I can hear it in your voice. That's right. We're doing great here in Columbus. We just lost our president, and I don't know if you heard. Uh, the Ohio State guy kind of weirded out and quit, but we're doing no, okay. I didn't, I didn't catch that. Didn't make the news here as far as the news I watch. John, but that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about the Mad Men recap, but... Uh, well, we're actually here to talk about Mad Men. We are the Mad Men recap. Folks, we, we, we've hit a glitch. We've hit a little bit of a problem. This morning, uh, I woke up to find in my email uh, a, a little note from Apple Computer telling me that we had been removed from the iTunes podcast store directory. Now, as you can imagine, I flipped out. Um, first thing I did is uh, I screamed. Uh, then I cried. Then I apologized. Then I called John and I said, what are we going to do? And you know what John did? What? He said, shut up. I said, okay. And then he called iTunes. Folks, you can't call iTunes. What is it, 1-800-ITUNES? No. This man went through several thousand chains of command at Apple to get us reinstated. So you'll say, you guys are back? Well, we're not sure yet. As of the time of this taping... If you search, particularly just for Mad Men Recap, uh, a blank cover art comes up and all of our uh, reviews are there, but there's no shows to download and whatnot. And I'm hoping once we post this show, it'll pop back into the feed and everything will work. Um, or maybe it's just taking a time for the servers to update. Either way, we're, uh, we're a little unsure. But from some tests that I've run, uh, you should be hearing me right now because if you're already subscribed... You should still be able to just it, the feed should still kind of hook up to your to your download. But either way, uh, an interesting day, John. Very much so. It was kind of like the Apple Onion. A lot of layers to get through. Yeah. But um, still, I have to say everybody was very polite. That's uh, good. Courteous, and um, if they couldn't uh, give me what I want, they were uh, pleasant in, in moving me on to somebody else. And it was, um, you know, it, it was interesting. So they were saying that. It was an accidental request to remove the show. Yeah. Yes. I don't know who would accidentally request that. That's insane. Um, but, John, uh, uh, you know, I, I don't I, – I had a thought there and I lost it. That's okay. Um, Sounds like a little bit of politics to me. Oh, Uh-oh. yes, yes, indeed. Yes, indeed it does. Uh, speaking of politics, John, we're here to recap probably the – the uh, the least important episode of the season, but still an episode <laughs> nonetheless. A Tale of Two Cities. I think that specifically means um, Los Angeles and New York. Uh, I think we all know which one's the best. <laughs> I think Roger tells us, right? I'll let, I'll let you figure that out for yourself. You know, I've often... <clears throat> so I've worked on both coasts. Uh, and I've often thought to myself... Uh, that uh, uh, New York has the upper hand in this way only, John. It's just that they start first. It's the only reason they really have the upper hand, I think. Are you serious? Yeah. And that's, that's why is that important? I'll tell you why. Because uh, if, unless you're working with your client on the same coast, 
if you get into uh, if you get into work in California, and folks, if you're in California and want to dispute this, that's completely fine. I didn't work there that long, but um, <laughs> you're you're waiting what feels like half the day to be able to call or get any contact with uh, with the client, and then if you're on on, on the East Coast. Uh, you're just annoyed, and this is this is, they kind of, they kind of mentioned it. You're just annoyed that the client isn't in to work until until lunch. Um, so uh, yeah, I think I think uh, I always thought New York just had the upper hand because they get to it first. That's an interesting take. I mean, but wouldn't that then mean that you know the European towns would be even more center of the universe? I mean, it's just the same problem. We work with a client in Geneva quite a bit. And uh, what's terrible about that is because by the time you get in, they're they're at, they're even past the half day. They're kind of they're definitely kind of on their way out. They'll request things for the end of their day, so you've only got like two hours to get to, to get them <laughs> oh, like geez. something by the close of business. It's terrible. I, I I haven't had to do it in a long time, and thank God. And then any further than that, it's just a shit show, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> but John, that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about the Mad Men's, and uh, I would love for you to kick us off. But I would say first, let me tell you some stuff I learned. Oh, what you what you pull down this time? I I pulled down three things, folks. And I know the last couple episodes we've kind of mixed it up a little bit. Uh, I've you know had some different themes, but you know what? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. I'm going to go back to just what I learned in the episodes, John. It's very important. So number one, Don will literally do any drug. A pretty lady puts in front of him. And folks, you can't fault him for that, can you? You can fault him for a lot of things, but for that, <laughs> yeah. No. Number two, and this is important. I want everybody to listen closely because I'm speaking just to you now. <clears throat> Pete doesn't want you to eat the cake on the way home from the store. Now, does that analogy even make sense, how he was saying it? All I know, I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of buried angst about him being way too thin as a kid. Oh. Because the cake never made it home. You know, I it, don't, oh. don't you think there's something there where like they, I love how you read into stuff, John. You know, they Very wheeled smart. out a cupcake with a candle and he saw like the tin in the background with his chubby brother, you know, yeah. eating the actual cake. That's true. That's true. The boy's never gotten a whole cake in his life. What a dick. Number three. Uh Roger Roger's attempt at a little humor. In California, fell a little short. I fucked that up. Hold on. Oh, sorry for the F-bomb, folks. <laughs> no wonder we got taken off iTunes. <laughs> All right. Sorry. Shoot. Sorry, Mom. Uh, number three, Roger's attempt at humor in California fell just a little short. I think we all get that because uh, Danny's a short guy. Okay. <laughs> Let's get started. And, all right, here we go. We're um, we're heading. We're still obviously in 1968, and we're at the Democratic National Convention, right? And so we're not there. We're at the Draper apartment, and that's what they're watching. They've got the television on, which is showing this Democratic National Convention being held in Chicago, and uh, Humphrey and Muskie are going to be announced as the president, vice presidential candidates. But this is this is a huge event in time. Uh, this this one uh, week actually in a lot of people's minds, leads to Nixon getting elected. So this is a huge national event. But uh, in regards to Don and Megan, we find out that Don's heading out. He's going to California. This is going to be for business. 
And as one of the listeners pointed out, there's a lot of uh, kind of tension in their um, their interaction. Um, Especially on, on her side of it. She's doing a lot of um, kind of passive-aggressive hinting. About, like, don't find any actresses. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he says, you know, something magical happened at Disney last time we were there. And she says, you know, I made the biggest mistake of my life. So, um, yeah, yeah, a little, little tense, but not, you know, not really fighting in any way. And, uh, and, and then we, we kind of head out and head into the boardroom. And we're here we got all the partners except Don, who's on his way, mm-hmm. on his way in. Chaw is talking about Chevy. And how he's going to be heading up to Detroit to take a look at them. But Pete wants to go. And Pete, well, yeah, Pete wants to go. Pete is desperately trying to wiggle his way into any big account so he can feel like he's important. Which is, which was, I think makes the rest of the episode interesting from his standpoint. Which literally I try to do every day as well, so. Yeah. I don't know what that, I don't know what it says about me. Well, I mean, that just, that really makes sense with your nickname, Paul the Wiggler. Uh, we got the. <laughs> Um, uh, you know, Don just rolls in at the last minute. He wants to head out, but really, uh, the big episode uh, part of this uh, scene is that they're talking about the name. You know, uh-huh. way too many letters. There's seven mm. letters. Two of those letters are dead. Um, you know, Cutler offers to switch it around. You know, CGC SCDP. Well, that doesn't sound so bad. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, you know, and so they're trying to figure it out. Don there's really, and it seems as if there's really no way to settle this because everybody wants their name in, in the name of the company, including Pete, especially who's not even there. Campbell, <laughs> especially Campbell. What a turd! Uh, again, I think you'll notice that everyone has their own mug again. Yes. Uh, yeah, I'm glad I pointed that out. Uh, Cooper offers to take his name off the table completely with the other dead guys. <laughs> Please don't be a martyr, my friend. Uh, Roger says, let's table it. I think, uh, Cutler, Gleason, Cutler, somebody got on me for getting this wrong. Yeah, Gleason's dead. Right, Gleason's, okay. Cutler says, well, listen, if we don't do it, they're going to do it for us. And that's not, that's the last thing you want to do. Um, but, uh, Roger and, uh, Don got to get on a plane, John, out to beautiful, sunny California. Sunny California. Yeah. And uh, we find out that, you know, uh, Cutler's going to try and hang on to Roger's Manischewitz wine accounts while he's gone. I'm sure that's a killer account. But now we get on to the plane, this beautiful, what is that, uh, green and turquoise pattern seats? Every um, time we've been on a plane, it's been those seats. We have one plane set, and we just turn the light outside of the set up or down to make it feel like <laughs> not, night or day. But let's be honest, I think I've seen the same pattern in every plane I've ever been in. No, I like this pattern. It's nice. This is first class. It looks like, of course. But I think you know. I think we get a great sense here of uh, you know Rogers' self-aggrandization and what he thinks of himself. You know, Don's trying to do some work, read about the upcoming clients, including Sunkissed, Carnation, Avocado, and uh, you know, Ro- Rogers just gives this wonderfully glib speech about you know how they are they are conquistadors. He says, I am Vasco, Vasco da Gama, and you're some other Mexican, and we're going to show up and buy whatever they have with the beads in our pockets, and our biggest challenge is to not get syphilis. This is not an un, uh, 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 un, uh, unusual view uh, uh, that a New York person would have 
most people in New York, especially people that have lived here a long time, uh, believe that um, it, is, it, it, it is, is just a, is a nicety that we hold on to the rest of the country uh, and, and, and talk to them. That you've not seceded? Uh, yes. Well, you know, that I, we're really holding up the whole rest of the nation. Um, uh, so I, 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 was just, I was just discussing this with someone today. I'm like, literally, we, this bubble that we live in is so not representative of the rest of the country. It's terrifying. Right, but I mean, the walls of that bubble are insanely thick for those of you that have been there your whole life. Oh, yeah. No, insanely thick. It's a real problem. Uh, and Roger is suffering from this. I now see, here's a, like in my mind, I wouldn't be going out to California thinking they're a bunch of hicks. Well, uh, and that's what Don reason, points out. He yeah. Like, hey, Roger, the guy's not holding up his pants with rope. He's worth like $25 million in billing. Right. Uh, I, think, I think he's doing okay. Right. Well, not only that, but he deserves our attention. You know, this is uh-huh. this is for real. Come on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll tell you what else deserves attention, John. Yep. The radio, especially when they're talking about the war. Yeah, and I was fascinated uh, to hear your take on this and kind of where you fell. This was a, a you know, a very intense interchange. Uh, obviously, we know Stan's connection uh, to the war with his dead cousin, and uh, Ginsburg seems to be very socially minded. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Cutler comes in and says, hey, we, we got to get some work done. Mm-hmm. And um, and then they really go at it. You know, Ginsburg accuses him, uh, you know, of, of um, being a fascist and asks why he hasn't gotten into the <laughs> body bag <laughs> business. Ginsburg literally accuses him of everything. Yeah. And this, this to me felt a bit, yeah, I don't know. We haven't seen these two interact at all before. So for Ginsburg to just go off specifically on him seemed a bit odd. But then I think Ginsburg's character is set up to be that crazy. Right, right. Well, and, and you know, and he, he accused him of not having any sons. You know, Cutler's like, look, I, I served. I was in the Air Force. What'd you do? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and then I, I thought Cutler's comebacks were very cool and, and you know, right on. He's like, look, no, I, totally. I got a problem with hippies that cash checks from Dow Chemical. Uh, and he kind of no, th- got him there. Yeah, I feel like that was, uh, I mean, he, he, he won. I think most of it, because Ginsburg is coming from a place of, like, pure passion all the time. Right. And this guy is coming from a place of intelligence. And then, of course, of course, of course, Bob Benson walks in. Of course. He's, and, and as Cutler points out, why are you always down here? Your office is upstairs. Um, you know, and he tries to, he, uh, Bob apparently is trying to be some kind of peacemaker. And that's, I, and that's how it I, ends. I kind of love how um, Bobby B... Um, not only annoys about half of our listeners, but also annoys about half of the cast. You know what I mean? Like half of the people that work at at, at uh, SDPGTZP uh, are also kind of annoyed by his uh... moods. Yes. Well, and, and as we see in the next scene, though, I mean, I I think Chaw sees him for what he is. Actually, says, you know, he's lightning in a bottle. You have got to start holding hands, starting with his. You know, it's, oh, this is... well, let, well, let's talk about, so, Gleese, uh, Ch- wait, Cutler goes goes into... <laughs> this is where we're going to continue with the drinking, this is, now exactly. we've moved on to Cutler. I know. So, Cutler goes into Chaw's office to specifically say, hey, I want to fire this guy, I want to clean house. Uh, and he says he wants to get rid of Ginsburg. And yeah, Chaw's like, are you crazy? I mean, this kid is, this kid is crazy creative. We can't know. That, how has Chaw become such, like, this level-headed, like... This decent person. 
Like, they've turned him into, I don't know, like, the moral compass. Well, kind of, except for, like, the end of the last episode, where, you know, Peggy comes to him in this moment of need, and he really is like, let's work, work, work. Yeah, but even that is, you know, like, he's trying to be morally correct. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, he did a bad job at it, but, you know, uh, at least he was trying to kind of do the right thing. Right. Well, and, and in this time, he's, you know, trying trying to not divide the company, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. at least at this point. And, uh, well, he knows that's a disaster. Right. And Cut- Cutler, you know, kind of throws his little fit and... You know, Sterling's client, Draper's boy, I'm the most expensive babysitter. And I, I just loved Jaw's response of that's, that's the spirit. Yeah, <laughs> that was great. Uh, you know what the next scene has us, has us doing, John? Well, it has, us, uh, has Joan on what she thinks is a date with a very well-put-together yeah. guy, nice guy, Mr. Andy From Hayes. Avon. And he is the new marketing director of Avon. Now, Avon. And now, uh, Joan's friend, who we met in an earlier episode, uh-huh. and, and who is now working at Avon, put this together. And again, Joan thought this was a social, a date. Uh-huh. And we find out fairly quickly that, in fact, it is not. Um, Andy says, look, I'm face-to-face with ad agencies. What, what do I look for? Uh-huh. And he's like, well, you know, tell me. This, this is why I'm here. And Joan picks up on that one comment, like, oh, this is business, mm-hmm. and uh, really tries to jump on it and gives a nice little spiel about, you know, the whole media placement, part science, part courage, Harry Crane being a wizard, you know, really building up the business, as you should. Yep, she, does, uh, she you know, she, she's kind of built for this. She always has uh, uh, smart remarks. I mean, she certainly, she certainly would be good at this, good at uh, being an account. Uh, person, yep. although she may be hindered uh, by her looks um, and overall presence, but right. uh, she certainly is a is a smart lady. Yeah, and she, you know, she gets the bill. Um, so yeah, I, I think she, you know, and she she gravitates to this, as we see. You know, That's exciting. She, yeah, it she's, is. She's all excited to. Re- Who wouldn't be excited to reel in a new client, John? Oh no no not I, not I so much I that I think it's more it's not just that it's it's just a more of a sense of purpose you know I mean since handing over top secretarial duties to Dawn I mean I don't know that well, she has I don't that think much she of a can, role she didn't hand over top secretarial duties to well she not, gave her the key to the store to room. the storeroom you gotta relax pal I feel like you were seeing you have stars in your eyes tonight I don't know what's going on with you but I'll tell you what I'd like to do I'd like to move on to the next scene. Yeah, with because, Bob. And- because it has Bobby B. Bobby <laughs> B. and, uh, and, and uh, uh, Cutler. Cutler. There you go. Damn it. See, now I'm super paranoid because I get yelled at on an email for being a turd about this. <laughs> anyway, uh, Cutler has now decided that Bobby B. Uh, needs, needs a chance to shine, John, and says, you know what? How would you like to go to Manischewitz in my place and you know, try to hold it together? Uh, uh, Bobby B. thanks him for this chance to shine. Um, and knows it, it can be a bit tricky because he's got to go um, with uh, Crazy Ginzo. Right. And, you know, I think he uh, accepts this the way you would like to see anybody accept it. You know, thanks. Mm-hmm. Let me go. Here we go. I will do my best. Uh, we then find ourselves back uh, in uh, Peggy's office. It looks like she's going through some, uh, through some videotape. Um, and uh, Joan comes in and says that she needs a drink, John, because 
she just uh, thinks she got a client going with Avon. And they are excited. They love Avon. But I think Peggy even realizes even more so just the size of this. You mm-hmm. know, it's giant. Um, it's no joke, John. And, you know, now, of course, Joan wants to maintain this. She wants to actually work on this as, a, as an account. And is like, yeah, you know, Don's not here. I don't know what to do. I, I don't want to get kicked off the end of the diving board. I want to be on this. Peggy, I think, um, you know, mistakenly says, you know, we'll take it to Ted. Joan says, what did I just say? She goes, oh, he's not like that. Well, yeah, I mean, he is. He is like that. He's a businessman. Yeah. You know, and, and that's, that's, how, uh, that's how he's going to do it. Plus, to be fair, when they head over to Ted Shaw, he's a little distracted. He's yeah, he's on his way out. He is on his way out. He's trying to finalize some plans about his uh, his car and transportation. And, uh, you know, he does what you know anybody would do in that time. He delegates and heads out. But here's the thing. I think this is a fatal flaw here. So Joan has been part of the business for such a long time, right? She definitely knows how this works. And Pete explains it. When Pete explains this later in the episode, and maybe I should save this comment to then. But, um, you know, the reason Pete goes to the meeting is to show that the agency has their full attention on this. So yes, an executive partner comes to meet you, right? right? Um, and I think the fatal mistake here was that he wouldn't let her come to the meeting. He should have let her come to the meeting as a junior, you know, right. to like, to, to then be introduced and then be able to then take the business on from there. Well, and I think what happens is because of the kind of rushed, harried nature of the conversation, he doesn't really get the fact that she wants to be the junior. I think, you know, he still sees this as almost more of a social, like, you know, yay, it's your... I mean, I had a lot of flashbacks to the uh, uh, to, to, to the Jaguar thing with uh, Price, you know, and how he did the same type of deal. You know, he met the guy in the bar. Oh, right, 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 you right, know, right. And right. it was his client. I did this. You right. Know, it, was a, it was a big source of pride for him. Sure. Um, well, yeah. I mean, of course it is. It's always, a, I mean, you know, getting a new client... Uh, especially if you're the one that builds them in, it's a huge deal. Well, I think you know. I think part of it is in Pete's mind, and and in fact, you know, this is what he does every day. Yeah. Joan has never done this formally, you know, as far as. I mean, it was it was accounts. just it was a communication breakdown. Her hopes were too high. He's all concerned about you know not having enough uh, uh, client input or you know uh, FaceTime uh, communication breakdown, as they say. Uh, but I, this is what I don't understand. Uh, when Shaw, when Pete comes down and Shaw goes, uh, you know, you're the head of new business. And he's like, I don't want that. Right. I don't understand. That. I didn't get that either. I think maybe because new business can be small sometimes. You, you thought, know, he thought he was above it. He wants to be on the Chevys and he wants to be on the Chevys of the world. Right. Uh, and so I, I think that's, I think that's why he rejected new business, but that, but that would, I don't know. It's still kind of stupid. Anyway, we go from there to sunny. Los Angeles, California, John. Beautiful, and and who's uh, driving it? But our wonderful ascot wearing turd monster, uh, <laughs> Harry Crane. Harry Crane's driving a beautiful Ford Mustang convertible, uh-huh. uh, which which Don is like, come on, you know. And I think that he has a point, you know. Not that no, yeah, totally has a point. You know, I mean, I, I forget who it was, but somebody like you know, somebody got fired off of a. Off of an endorsement contract because I got caught, you know, drinking 
Coke when they were a Pepsi sponsor. I mean, it's oh my god, that happens that happens hilariously all the time. That happened with um, Alicia Keys recently. She was uh, supposed to be the spokesman for the new BlackBerry, and she tweeted about how great the new BlackBerry was from her iPhone. From her iPhone, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so exactly, don't do that. That's stupid. People laugh at you. Right. Uh, but yeah, no, that's a it's a fair point. But I think what you would want to do is go back in time and well, I mean. You, sir, well, it's I, it's funny because I, GM's best car has always been the Corvette, right? But um, it's a two-seater, and the Mustang has this that unique ability of being a popular car that has a back seat. Mm-hmm. And I don't think, and I'm sure someone can prove me wrong in this, but I don't think G, uh, GM really successfully, and maybe they did in the late '60s, but had something to compete directly with that. That was that night, you know, that people really wanted to drive. Right. Yeah, no. They, I don't think it reached the the Mustang. Because Mustang and Corvette, Cor- Corvette's above Mustang, right? Right. Um, but, you know, there was no, there's no equal, I think, there uh, that GM ever really had. But I'm sure I'm wrong. Moving on. <laughs> Excellent point. Uh, yeah. You know, but so, you know, they get out. It's it's kind of fun. I mean, you really, they, they seem to really want to uh, exaggerate this age gap here. You know, you got the almost the grumpy old men um, mm-hmm. there. This is where you're wrong. This is a this is not an age gap thing. This is New York, California thing. I see. This has, this is the understanding of what California is like to New York. So Don and Roger are New York, you know, stuck ups, and you know, stupid Harry Crane understands uh, what California is like. I don't think it's old to young. I, I, think it's I, hadn't, coast to coast. I hadn't seen that, and I think that you know, I think your your experience on on both coasts and being in New York. Makes, uh, <laughs> no, no, I'm serious. You know, it makes that uh, you know, being here in the Midwest. I, I don't see either of those things. <laughs> uh, Don Don decides he's just going to go uh, go up to go to bed. Roger wants to go out to the I think the Sunset Strip uh, or, or or something and see uh, a ladies dance in a cage. John, is that a thing? Is, that, is, this, is this another East Coast West Coast I mean, thing? They I use that, cages out there on the. There are caged the women everywhere <laughs> on both coasts, John. Yeah, and you can see them whenever you'd like. So here in the Midwest, we just have the binders full of women. Oh, that's right. How's that going, <laughs> by the way? Do you just get? Do you get one in the mail every month? No, you got to order. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, so so, anyways, we're uh, they head into the rooms, and we head over to Joan. Mm-hmm. Who's got the the uh, very nice, comfy blue and white PJs? PJs, uh, rocking the jams, and she is folding uh-huh. up the little kid clothes. And we get to the the TV, and that's this is kind of again the big social event. It actually was referred to as the police riots, uh, and these were peaceful protesters protesting the uh, war in Chicago outside the Democratic National Convention. And um, according to one uh, report I read online. That uh, you know somebody took a flag down, an American flag, and police actually went up to him, started uh, kind of giving it to him, and then things just went nuts. Rocks started flying, police started hitting people, and about 17 minutes were caught on tape. Um, wow! And there was a, then this got brought into the convention, and there was a lot of uh, division mm-hmm. among the Democrats. And so again, this uh, a lot of uh, from what I was reading. This one event, this one night, uh, kind of lost the election for the Democrats. 
and and gave us Richard Nixon, who you know, depending on your politics, but obviously who is clearly not a crook. Not a crook, okay, exactly. So, anyways, she she sees that she's upset, uh, understandably so. Uh, Don and Megan have an interchange on the telly, watching this as well. Don mm-hmm. tries to make a little light of it. Megan's very upset. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, says, why don't you go for a swim? It always makes you feel better. little foreshadowing. Sure. Uh, that's all I got on this. No, that's fair. I think, uh, you know, it, it, Don's attitude is not surprising. Um, I think her attitude is... I mean, I think that's where it's an old and young thing, right? Maybe. Where she's more in touch with, you know, this younger community that's uh, that's rebelling, right? And he's more in touch with an older community that doesn't care. Well, it's not. I don't even know if so much it doesn't care. It's just like you know, you you, you tell me what to do. I'll, you know, the government. You say you give me the rules. Oh, I no, I don't think it's that at all. No, I think it's just you know I don't understand why people are. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Anyway, uh, next scene, John. Uh, we are at lunch with uh, with Peggy, and who comes in the door? Well, it's Joan. Where's Pete? Pete's not coming because I didn't invite him, because this one's mine, pal. And uh, Peggy is very concerned by this, as she should be. <laughs> yes, I would. I would be a little concerned as well. But at the same time, I think Peggy would be able to kind of carry this on her own as well. I mean, it's not like I don't know. I mean, she's probably been to enough of these. No, no. That if not, I'm not. She's not concerned about the interaction. I think she's concerned about what she says. She's concerned about in the next Joan the Peggy blowback. scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's uh, it's you know, there's there's a couple uh, points in throughout the scene where you see that uh, uh, Joan's just stumbling a little bit, but for the most part, it seems like she's doing a pretty good job and can get through it um, with a little help from Peggy. Well, no, actually. She, Actually, Joan tries to, you know, run the thing because, yeah, you know, Peggy. Peggy starts launching into this. I, I thought very appropriate little little story about her Avon lady and how everything would, you know, everybody get excited and and all of a sudden Joan just like cuts her off and is like, "Hey, we're here to listen to you." Mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of shuts her up, and so after Andy uh, makes his comments about, you know, his sales are flat. And, you know, he's not really sure what we're doing because, you know, hippies don't wear makeup. And, you know, women that are in the workplace wasn't really anybody we've targeted. Mm-hmm. You know, so then Joan says, okay, now it's your turn, Peggy. And, and Peggy kind of, in a little kind of get back, is like, yes, what mm-hmm. you know, what can I do for you? Um, but then, you know, I think handles it very well. We then uh, find ourselves in the offices of Carnation, John. Uh, we are apparently here to uh, talk about how we can sell Carnation bre- instant breakfast. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone's having a bit of that. Uh, we're I'm, also talking about. Pop- I'm sorry. Have you had that? No, I, I'm a. I'm a. Uh, I'm a lactard. Uh, I'm lactose intolerant. Um, it's a terrible affliction that doesn't matter. But when I do uh, drink the dairy products, John. Uh, they rebel against me, and I'm in a, quite a bit of pain, and not so much fun to be around. Thank you. Have for, you had it? Thank you for that window into your soul. Yeah, I, well, I want a... people to know me. I want people to know the Paul Giamatti-looking little guy who's behind this microphone. <laughs> but anyways, thank you. yeah, no, and and you know, I mean, it was again with things trying to get 
easier, quicker, faster. I mean, you think about life today and just the insane pace uh, of everything. And it's, it's, you know, really starting to, it's starting here uh, mm. with this, with this instant stuff. Instant breakfast. Yeah. Uh, you know, which was developed just a few years earlier in 65 oh, is that uh, right? by Carnation. Yeah. Which apparently okay. is no longer its own thing. I just, I found they were bought by Nestle in the eighties. Oh, yeah, that's, there you go. That sounds about right. Corporate that America. About right. Uh, but anyways, uh, we, we meet Jack and George, George and Jack, mm-hmm. uh, heads of the, the top guys at Carnation. And um, so Jack walks in, and the politics come up about the riot last night. And he's like, this is, you know, this is a business meeting, not politics. And then goes on a rant about the politics. Yeah, he's a bit of a crazy uh, loose cannon, apparently. Yeah. Uh, but I really liked how hard he was on, on Roger. It was actually really awesome, because Roger thought he was just going to come in here and bamboozle these guys. And he was like, so why don't you tell me? How you're going to sell Life Cereal and Carnation side by side. Although, I've got to say, the point of them being very different and for very different people um, is a solid point. I mean, they're really not talking to the same customer there. Right. Um, and But I don't think... Because uh, they kind of brought that up twice. Well, on Saturday morning, you know, we're, we're going to be sit, sitting right next to Life Cereal. It seems like they couldn't quite drive that home. I don't even know why they allowed this meeting to happen because it seemed like they had a bug up their ass about um, New York agencies. Um, and, of course, as we already talked uh, about the, the whole time difference uh, issue. But I think this and, is, shows a little bit of the importance of the value of Harry Crane. You know, it was his connection that got them up here, even though they had a thing about New York agencies. Yeah, I mean, I guess I don't. I don't feel as if they they liked Harry. I particularly liked Harry Crane. Yeah, maybe Harry Crane got him in the door, but right. that's about it. You know, and then you know Roger makes his nice little quip to soften the waters. You know, sorry your your last girlfriend hit hurt you, but we're here now. And you know Don has his uh, you know golden tones and piercing stare, and you know we believe in you. Yeah, but I don't think it, it didn't work. Well, we don't and know it didn't, it didn't feel work. Like it, I mean, like like Roger like said, it was a you know it was a first step, you know, yeah. like the uh, the golf rounds and the nights out. That's next time. We don't know how the rest of the meeting went, but right. it, it did it did feel good to me, John. I'm I'm just I'm just saying. Well, I really uh, thought that it. I thought the tone definitely softened softened at that last, you know, at that last moment. Yeah, but they didn't laugh at his joke about you know where you're. You know, uh, we're sorry your your last girlfriend hurt you. Like they didn't crack at anything. Roger said, um, and then depending of you know what they kind of sold them after that. I mean, I don't know. It doesn't seem like it would be a good client to have either, just because they he, they were so aggressive about um, about the issues they've had. Right. I and mean, you would have to devote somebody to being you know ready for them when California opens for business. You know what I mean? Yeah. But speaking of opening for business, John, just like the elevator opens to let you in the hallway, in the next scene, uh, Peggy and Joan are just getting back from lunch, and I think Joan is a little concerned, as well as Peggy. Well, it was it was actually a delicious meeting breakfast. Oh, damn it! Because Andy was on his way out, remember? He's heading out of that's, town. That's right, John. Anyways, You're right. splitting hairs, I know, but breakfast mm-hmm. is just so much more tasty. Okay. Um, but you're right. They they kind of have this interchange, and here's the thing: Joan was wrong. Like this is this was not okay. Like 
you know, Pete had been given, Ted was aware, Ted set this up, this was how this was supposed to go. This, this was, I mean, this was not okay. It's not okay if it doesn't work. You know what I mean? Absolutely, and that's and that's what we kind of see at the end. Yeah, you're right. But at this, you know, it would have been much much better if this had happened without, you know, if she had come to Peggy and said, "Hey, Peggy, I got a breakfast. You're coming," and that was it. Yeah, if they had never told anybody, right. essentially, it would. You're right. It would have been better. But I don't. I mean, I in in a way, I don't think Jones in the wrong. For being like, if I don't do it this way, it's never gonna happen. I think I think she's right. I mean, as oh, yeah. far as like as far- getting the jump on it. Sure. Um, I know I said earlier in the episode that the chain of command. I think that would have been the safer way to go. And I think she still might have been okay. But in her mind, that I mean, it ne- it's never gonna happen unless um, you know I take this gigantic, this gigantic risk. But that's but you know, as far as we know, she's never expressed a previous interest she's never said hey guys let me be a junior you know i mean yeah you know peggy peggy worked a second job for all intents and purposes for free for like a year yeah before she got it like she says she she worked at it you know whereas joan got her partnership through prostitution and i mean has never that we know of said hey let's you know guys give me a shot i'm good with people we all know she's good with people well, but I mean, she is she she has you know worked her way up in the company. She's you know she was like right hand bookkeeping. You know what I mean? Like she just wasn't a secretary. She was she was queen of the secretaries. Queen of the secretaries. And uh, you know uh, uh, a valuable assistant to the CFO. Right, but that's not why she got partner. I'll tell you why other people don't get partner, John. Tell me for freaking out before a meeting. I got Bobby B. In his office, listening to how to succeed uh, in business. Have you read this? Uh, I read it uh, every morning on the way to work. It was how I raised myself from failure to success in selling. Yeah, by Frank Bedger, and this yeah. is a 1947 book, and it's still on Amazon and still getting great reviews. Yeah, no, I read it every day on my way to work. But you don't sell anything. You don't know that. <laughs> Anyways, he's listening to it. He's very focused. I don't know. I don't know what to take from this. Though. I mean, you know, there's all these wonderful conspiracy thoughts about Bob Benson and what's he going to do? Is he, Mm-mm. you know, is he an investigator? Is he Mm-mm. an F- FBI agent? Is he a homeless person? Now, fo- you know. <laughs> folks, I am. I am always wrong, as we know. But I honestly think Bob Benson is just a guy with aspirations to get to the top, and he's working hard. That's all. Can that happen? Can someone just honestly be trying? Do you know how many people out there, like, right now are doing some kind of condescending, like, shake? Like, poor yeah. Paul. Just shaking their head. Like, <laughs> he, is, he is such a... He's such a lonely idiot in his own little empty head. Yeah, I know, folks. But just... <laughs> just, just give me that. Uh, but anyways, apparently he, he's getting a he call. Is, he is rousted out of his office uh, because uh, Ginzo is having, I think, what you could... Uh, qualify as a panic attack pretty much now, why he's having this panic attack i think you could put on a couple of reasons one he's crazy two he doesn't want to go to this meeting because he knows what he did to cutler and maybe he doesn't know that uh bobby b uh has taken over on the meeting wait wait, wait what it. because he knows what he did to cutler gleason no no what did he do to cutler flip out on him no that's not why he's upset 
Okay. It, it, no, but it, honestly, I think the reason he's upset is because of what Cutler said to him about the whole, you know, about him profiting off of, you know, Dow and these other companies. Like, he's flipping out because he's saying he's part of the problem. In fact, he throws out a quote uh, that I, I went ahead and looked up. And he okay. says, now I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. Was that in Ghostbusters? It's amazing. That's where I started. And then I had to work <laughs> my way back. But uh, actually, the, the line is from Hindu scripture. But it mm-hmm. was made popular uh, by Robert Oppenheimer. And I don't know if you know this, but Robert Oppenheimer is considered the father of the atomic bomb. I knew that, yeah. And so, you know, he, he made that quote at, I believe, the first test of the atomic bomb and, you know, really regretted his role in that development, mm-hmm. that technology. And I think that's what that's what Ginberg is flipping out about, is that he is, you know, very regretful in contributing to this these societal problems. As you don't think are. there's just a little bit that he just doesn't want to go to the meeting after he made an ass of himself? Not at all. Okay. No, it, because, right. Any... it, because, like you said, he's that guy. He is that giant over-the-top guy. You know, it, the little bit of guilt that somebody might feel about, you know, doing something against their morals. Uh, he, yeah. He's taken all the way to, you know, feeling viscerally sick about this. And Bob, you know, takes what he's learned from his little record upstairs and applies it. You know, really yeah. uh, really tries to do the, the big talk-up. And, uh, you know, says, hey, these, these are your people. They are good people. Uh, come yeah. on, let's do it. Be the man that I admire. That was, that was it. When he said that, I was like, he got him. And then and it ends, the scene ends very uh, much with something else that have, uh, people have been swirling about, Mr. Bob Benson. And where Ginsburg says, tell me the truth. Are you a homo? Yes. And, you know, he doesn't get angry about it. And he doesn't, he doesn't say yes. Uh, he goes, there's that humor we know. So that's uh, another possibility that we are. You know, looking at uh, uh, a gay a person on the show for the first time since Sal left. Okay, I think uh, maybe they. Well, they 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 played Sal more as a uh, stereotype, right? So maybe maybe Bobby B is a little bit more. Uh, I don't know. Secretive. I don't. Either way, uh, are, we are now in California, everybody, and there's a pretty lady in a short skirt. Uh, walking into the hotel, it's Rogers walking out. Apparently, he is a cannibal and would like to have her for lunch. I think that's what he's saying. Um, and uh, then Harry Crane picks them up to head to this party in the hills, John. And lo and behold, he still has that damn Mustang because he doesn't listen, does he? He doesn't. He doesn't. Listen. It's always manana with Harry Crane. It's always manana. Uh, they get to the uh, they get to the party in the hills, John. Uh, Crane's giving them kind of the one the, the the what for on how to be at a party in California. You know, they don't like business cards. Things are things are a lot more cool around here. Yes, and our lovely and they, uh, host Cindy shows them the uh, candy dish of joints. Okay, good point. Is that, how, is then, that how parties go out there in the California? Can people? I never got to go to in? any parties. Okay, I, people don't like me. Uh, I rarely get invited places. Uh, it's just how it is. Uh, but they do run into uh, a good friend of theirs. Uh, I believe his name is Danny. Uh, Dan- yep, Daniel Siegel. He is our uh, little friend. <laughs> Say hello to him. Uh, who used to work at the agency last season? Remember him? 
Well, he's the one that they had to hire mm-hmm. because Don took his idea in a drunken mm-hmm. stupor. For life cereal, if I'm not That's uh, right. mistaken. That's right. Biggies. It all comes together now, doesn't it, pal? But, you know, and, and Dan was, in, and he was quite, uh, you know, he was quite the, the comic uh, character when we knew him. You know, he was, he had that really tightly combed hair. Mm-hmm. He had the suit on. He's a short guy. And he's got the long hair. He's got the stash. He's got the, the beads, poncho the on. poncho. Good guy. Uh, and then the, the girl that he's with, this uh, Lotus with the rosy glasses. Who and is so high. Uh, yes. On a, probably a cocktail of different uh, drugs, John. Uh, she can barely see. Yeah, but, you know, uh, Harry is very uh, cordial and amicable, and Don, you know, is very nice to, uh, just you know, just courteous. And, yeah. and Roger just jumps right on the, uh, <laughs> jumps right on the, the short wagon. Um, I mean, it's terrible, but it's kind of funny. But it was, it was terrible enough where, like, both Don and Harry was like, come on, like, Let's go. Yeah, I'm going to go. Yeah, I'm going to get out of here. Uh, and he is relentless. He is? Danny handles it well and just tries to kind of get himself out of the situation. Takes uh, Lotus and uh, well, heads off. Well, but he, tell, he tells Roger how many important people he is going to now go introduce Lotus to. Yeah, that's true. They, they are doing a little take him out and measure him uh, situation here. Yeah. They? Yeah. Uh. Don, and this, I didn't really understand this little scene. Don's at the bar, apparently, and he's talking to this guy about music and advertisements, and this guy can write a jingle. Was this guy somebody famous? Not that I could tell. I didn't even catch his name. I couldn't catch his name either. This scene was a bit strange. And, you know, so Don's, uh, Don sees a pretty lady coming out of the pool, and, uh, and Harry comes over and says there's some, you know, big name that's about to go. Should we follow him? I mean, this is. I agree with you. I I don't know if we missed something, uh, the two of us, or or what. But it just didn't seem to do much. No, I will say this: the girl that gets out of the pool does oddly kind of look like Megan. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Uh, absolutely. At least, it's at weird. least a little. You know, with the the darker hair and attractive, yeah. and yeah. Um, just a little bit. I mean, she never smiles, so we can't get a dental. You know what, John? You know, I've about had it with you and this damn teeth obsession you have. I'm done. That's fine. You know what? Different people have different teeth, okay? That's true. That's true. You've seen my teeth. You'd think I'm English. <laughs> Good God. It's front snargles and everything. Oh, Lay off, okay. man. Well, anyway, so for some reason that, that happens. But then he heads in. Maybe it's to show that he's drinking liquid and he would need the bathroom, for which he heads indoors, and on his way to the bathroom, I believe, that, is this a hookah? This is what we call this thing? Uh, a it, giant, it is a hookah. A giant, it is a hookah. A giant uh, device with several hoses. Have you, ever, have, you ever been to, have you ever been to a hookah bar? I have not. What is, what is a hookah bar? It's stupid. <laughs> I could explain further. No, it's just this, you know, it's this big pipe. It has all these little pipes coming out of it, and that a lot of times, you know, if you're at a hookah bar... They just put flavored, different flavored tobacco in it. Mm-hmm. So you can get like, you know, candy apple or strawberry. It's the dumbest thing I can think to do. I think, John, we were actually at a hookah bar together once. <laughs> you, we just didn't do it. I, 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 we I'm, I'm not going to call you a liar. 
Yeah, but, <laughs> but I don't. But I don't remember that. I'll tell you what wasn't in that hookah hashish. I'm not altogether clear on what hashish is. Did you look this one? I up? did. It's a purified resinous <laughs> extract of the hemp plant, and it's a hallucinogen. Is it? It is. I did not know that. Well, there you go. Well, learn something new. I have not smoked hashish. Clearly. <laughs> Are you sure? You know, I'm sure. <laughs> I keep track of these things, man. But uh, but uh, yeah, so that's and we find out that is in fact what is in the hookah. Don is all about trying drugs this season. Well, yeah, I, you know, not that I'm he gonna... was. He doesn't seem like. I mean, he kind of did the speed stuff, the amphetamine, just because. Yeah, that's but what he the office smoking was doing. more pot. This he, pot did yeah. the, he did the speed, and now he's smoking hashish. John, this this season, it was all about the season of side boob. It has now turned into side boob and drugs. So and now we know why this is picking up in popularity. Oh yeah, people. People. If there's if there's one thing people love, John, it's side boob and drugs, and not specifically in that order. Some people prefer it in the other order. Drugs and side boob. Well, I mean, we we uh, we definitely see somebody who's on drugs, but maybe not so much the side boob in the next scene where Roger's trying to get <laughs> Lotus apparently, and uh, only because it's Danny's girlfriend. He just wants to literally kick Danny in the balls. Yep. Uh, by, you know, trying to make him feel as bad about himself as possible. But which we don't understand. I mean, is this something against his ex-wife? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, you know, I don't remember him being specifically anti-Danny. Yeah, yeah I don't know. It's so, just something to do. I guess. Uh, I guess he wants it, but maybe it is that, that, uh, that New York, California thing. Again, you know, he's, mm-hmm. he's New York, so he's just better. Mm-hmm. Um, either way, well, that's for damn sure. Uh, they have a little uh, interchange once more. Uh, he continues to lay it on, and Danny finally has enough and just socks him right, right in the, the nuts, <laughs> right in the old. Nuts oh, you thought you hit? No, we did. He no, hit his, yeah, no. no if you look okay. at it. He lifts it. He hits. I mean, here's the thing: if that little guy punches straight out, it's going to get you in the nutsack. I'm just saying. I'm going to have to go with you then, because I, I thought he was at least. Uh, he, I, I really thought Danny was going to be the bigger man there. I don't know. If I was Danny, I would have punched him. Oh, come on, man. I, mean, I get on, nothing. Man. I get nothing. He put up with a lot. He put up with a lot all day. No, no. The bigger man. Oh. <clears throat> you know what? I'm slow. <laughs> I'm slow. Either way, uh, Roger, gets a, Roger gets a punch to the nuts. And we, uh, we, find, we, we then find Don um, making out with a, uh, uh, the, the, host, the hostess of the party. Yeah, um, in a, clearly a although. Uh, well, I think he might be this. This might be the start of the hallucination, to be honest, because he's he's uh, you know, she says, you know, she says uh, Don, and he goes, I told you that's not my name. So he either is really making out with her as Dick Whitman, or this is the start of the hallucination, uh, from which quickly we see Megan uh-huh. uh, with a. Uh, what, what, that's not a bandana. What she got across her head? Some kind of just bead. Some kind head of wrap. head 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 thing. Head, yeah, headband. If headband. you will. Uh, would it be a headband? Yeah. I, I guess that's not officially tie dye, but some kind of just uh, very hippie, John. Very Let's hippie just leave print. it there. Okay, All right, pal. All right. Uh, Don doesn't understand what she's doing there. She says, "I but, live here now." But this is his that's fantasy, right? Because right? he, he's always felt better in California. Right, and he. This, these are all the things he wants with Megan. He wants her to quit that job. 
you know, he wants her to be there. He wants her to spend all of her time with him. And then she says, you know, hey, I got, uh, you know, I got one more thing. It indicates that she's preggers mm-hmm. and says this is a second chance. You know, so this is kind of the Don fantasy. Okay. And so within the, the uh, fantasy, she takes him down the hall and you kind of get this neat uh, trippy dream-like um, camera shooting, right, as mm-hmm. we're going down the hall. And she, we get to the bar. She says, hey, everybody's looking for you. And all of a sudden, he gets a tap on the arm, and it's our soldier buddy. Now, yeah. from, what I'm, from what I gather, this is, this is the uh, soldier that we met in Hawaii. I agree. All right, with the lighter. Right. But now he's dead. But now he's dead. And missing an arm. And missing an arm. That's a double down. And, so, and that's Ew. what he says. He's, you know, he says, my wife thinks I'm MIA, but I'm dead. And Don says, well, what, you know, what, what's the deal with your arm? Why don't you have your arm? He goes, dying doesn't make you whole. You should see you. And all of a sudden we see Don face down in the pool, and he's looking at himself face down in the pool. Trippy, man. Very much. It's uh, pretty awesome. And then, and then, of course, instantly we go to you know, him being all soaking wet from having for real been in the pool while he was hallucinating, coughing up some water. And uh, you know, Roger later says that you're just a terrible swimmer, which, uh, going back to what Megan said, swimming always makes you feel better. In or the, sometimes it kills or you. Or sometimes it kills you. Absolutely. Sometimes. Can we go back to the office, please? Yeah, I think it's about time. Okay. Uh, we got Chaw coming in. He had an amazing time uh, in Detroit. He met the, uh, the guy uh, who kind of approves everything. Jack. And got him to sign up, sign off on it all. He even got to see a clay model of the car, John, and apparently it is not a dog. I guess that's not the worst thing you can say about <laughs> something you're working on. Well, yeah, a lot of times, you know, you're happy when it's, yeah, when it's either a good idea or not a dog. Right. Uh, so things are going very well. I think they're both uh, still concerned about, uh, you know, the agency being kind of split in half. Um, but speaking of being split in half, uh, Bobby B comes in uh, and uh, gives us some bad news about, uh, about Manischewitz. Yep. Uh, they had just sat through the presentation. They didn't really care. They put uh, they put the agency in review, which is usually means it's about over. Uh, so uh, Cutler says, "Hey, pal, uh, why don't you get on the Chevy business?" Which was uh, which was good, I guess. But this is uh, you know this is where they do talk about kind of splitting the place, uh, and Cutler's like, "Look, we get we're, we got Avon when they were out." Mm-hmm. Uh, we're getting them, you know. We're gonna get Bob on Chevy. Manischewitz is on the way out. You're, you know, you you're going good on Chevy. And uh, Charles like, no, they're not gonna be happy. So Cutler's like, well, why don't we distract them? Hey, hey, and that's where you know that's where the the name thing comes in. Um. And so now we uh, we head out of the office. We're back on the plane, back in these uh, beautiful seats. The guys are tired. Uh, from their big uh, big night, Don's uh, Don's coffin from all the water he aspirated. Sure. Or, or could uh, could Don be in the beginning phases of some kind of lung cancer? Ah, huh? I could see them. I guess I could see I, them I, doing that. I hear that all the time. I think it seems a bit obvious to me. Um, with the big smoker. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. And uh, but you know this is where Roger just outright says that New York is the center of the universe. And, and, that, uh, wrong. and my therapist said I need to know myself, and so I found I am a 
curious kid with a full head of hair and a thriving business. <laughs> like, sounds pretty pleased with that. Yeah, that's not such a bad deal. Right. Yes, me. Um, when we do, can I take us back to the office? Oh, please. Well, John, the other shoe's about to drop, and the shit's a bit to hit the fan. Because uh, Pete is asking where Joan is at, um, because a box from Avon has come in, and all the girls are opening it and looking at it. Um, and Pete wants to know what's going on here. There's a note that says that their breakfast meeting went really well, and he has figured out what's kind of gone on, and that he wasn't invited, and he is a raging mad. And I, I mean, as much as we uh, really don't like Pete, I, I don't think anybody wouldn't be mad, right? Yes, exactly. This is, could be the one time where he is justifiably angry, um, but he's still rapey Pete. Uh, Let's be sure about that. Yeah. I don't like how he tattletales on this scene, where he's like, well, let's just see what Cha thinks of this. And I'm like, seriously, man? So then he goes and gets Cha. Cha comes in and says, what's going on? Uh, tells Peggy to get the, get the, you know, get the hell out of there. Yeah. Uh, Peggy goes into the other room so she can listen in and has the brilliant idea of, um, of having, what's that girl's, the stupid girl's name? Meredith. Meredith has Meredith's come in and just barely be able to eke well, out reading. But that's the thing is, and it was it was kind of a uh, kind of a, a, a contrived setup because Peggy doesn't go find Meredith. Meredith barges in to say, "How mm-hmm. does this lipstick look on me?" Which mm-hmm. which she, you wouldn't do, <laughs> you know, because I mean, Peggy closes the door and turns on this thing, and mm-hmm. no no one would come flying into Joan's office without knocking. I don't know, man. She is pretty dumb. They try to make that as clear as possible. Uh, yeah, yeah, but I mean, it was just that they had to use that as a mechanism so that Peggy could have this, you know, this brilliant saving thought and yeah. hand her the note and have her just race in there to to help her out. And here's well, and this is what you were talking about with Pete kind of laying out the uh, the uh, proper how. Does things that work. analogy even work with the cake? Yeah. Well, I I guess. Uh, I guess this is the thing is he actually calls himself your boss, you know, and if that's uh, if that's the case that she's a junior uh, junior account person and he's a senior, then yeah, he would be your boss. Um, he's definitely a, a you know a more vested partner than she is. Um, but the cake analogy does it make sense? Well, just, I mean, it, to some degree, I mean, you're, if you're the boss and you tell somebody to do something and they don't do what you tell them to do, that doesn't work. Okay. Yeah, I guess. In that, in that, okay, in that very simple version of it, anyway, I thought it was kind of stupid. But anyway, but, but Peggy comes out with this, uh, you know, great, uh, great little move. Says, hey, Avon's on the phone for yeah. you. And Chaw Ch- Ch- comes out with the bizarre, you know, possession is the nine-tenths of the, uh, of the law. Like, of, uh, and Pete's like, what? Only when there's no law. Uh, <laughs> and Cha, you know, Chaw does echo what Joan says. Look, all all business for us is good business. It's all exactly. it's all your business. Let's go. And uh, you know, and this is this is kind of feels like a very flipped uh, dynamic between the two ladies. You know, often yeah. often Joan is the confident one, and in this one, she is very timid and scared, and. Um, you know, Peggy's look, look, just hope he calls. So, 
And as we get out of there, we get to see Dawn. Not Dawn, Dawn. I know. Hey, for a second and a half. Thank God she's still there and she's okay. I feel like just sweating it out every episode. But Uh, but we get uh, Pete. Pete is very negative, seeming as if the whole place has fallen apart while they've been gone. I don't think that's quite true. Uh, but it's kind of, I mean, it's kind of true in the fact that, you know, Cutler and Char taking over. Yeah, but the business hasn't changed. I don't know. I mean, I feel like this is, just, this is, I mean, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't think Pete's concerns are that valid. You know what I mean? So I don't count Avon. Avon happened just, you know, could have, down would have been there, would have been fine. Uh, I mean, certainly they're being very successful with Chevy, uh, but I don't know. I, Pete's just—I mean, Pete has reached this point of paranoia that is like literally insane. Yeah. And they can't. It you know, Gleason and Chaw, Cutler and Chaw. <laughs> damn it, they—they're just partners. They can't fire like Roger and and Don. I mean, it's 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 mostly just a you know, kind of I don't know. I, I think Pete's pizza, pizza reaction is annoying. I think Don's annoyed by it. Yeah. Well, know, what does he and care? He, and Pete, you know, Pete's been kind of just feeling his role being further diminished at, ever since the merger. Uh-huh. The whole thing with no chair, the first meeting, and, uh-huh. you know, him not getting to do any of these trips. Uh, and then the one trip he was supposed to do, he didn't because of his mom. Uh, yeah. You know, all that stuff. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know the, the everybody agrees on the name, uh, yes. except for Pete, who feels that it's a you know kind of a takeover. Like really, this isn't okay. I, I mean, you're, you're right. I fail to see how this is a takeover. I mean, at the end of the day, they're all they've they've merged. They're working for the same amount of business. You know what I mean? Right. And it's and 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 the Sterling Cooper partners outnumber uh, the Gleason Child partners. So good luck getting that through. Right. Right. So it's stupid. Yeah, no, he's just very... Well, and hopefully, you know, as the show winds to an end and Pete uh, discovers the relaxation powers of marijuana... Yes. Uh, maybe he's just going to chill all the way out. Man, he could use it, right? You know, undo that suit coat button. Yeah, maybe uh, well, maybe let the hair down or... Or just mess it up a little mess bit. Mess it up or go get good some Good God, go get some It looks painful. Looks painful. Um, it does look painful. Uh, the greasy creeper look he gives whoever this uh, young lady is in the uh, yellow skirt and white socks is enough to make you vomit. Yep. Yep. No. Nope. That's some great acting. Rapey Pete. <laughs> we've seen Doing we've it. seen that look before. Oh my god, John! But that would be the end of the episode. Well done. You've done it again. Thank my you. Friend. Well, they they take us out with a great uh, song from the '60s. Janis Joplin's Piece of My Heart. You know what, John? You know the reason I think we got removed from iTunes? Because you're so damn good. What? What? You're so good. You're too good to be on iTunes. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> well, yeah, they, there's not a next level they can bump me up to. Exactly. So all they right. just remove you. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I, but you're right. I thought that, I mean, it was, I thought it was a fun episode as opposed to maybe a couple of the earlier ones in the season, but it didn't feel like it did. A whole lot? Nope. Um, Felt you know. filler. Felt like filler. I mean, it seems like Don and Megan are still strained. Yeah. Uh, it seems like the company is maybe a little strained, but still successful. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and Harry Crane's got some contacts out in California. Good for him. I guess so. Yeah. Nothing really resolved or introduced. Right. Anyway. <laughs> uh, John, do we have some mail? Do you want to read some mail? What do you want to do? Yeah, I, I know, uh, you know, with the big break we had previously, we, we, um, we got some mail. Maybe not quite as much as usual, but I think it's worth uh, maybe just cracking open the mailbag, if you will. Thank you. Uh, all right. So our, our friend Aisha from Portland, our highest, Portland. Yes, our highest uh, city demographic in the country, okay. uh, writes in clearly, the era in which Mad Men is taking place is heading into the heavy drug days of the 70s. While I'm eager for this show to wrap up, uh, I also am sad that perhaps the best era of all time, the disco era, will most likely not be ventured into. Imagine seeing Don attempting to make a foray into that type of environment. Uh, however, disco drug days were equal opportunity party environments crossing race, age, economic status. As long as you had some coke and a gold lame top, you were in. Uh, Mad Men is exhausting me. Uh, she notes that she was happy to not see Betty this episode. You know, her in small dollops is nice. Yeah, I agree with that. And uh, I liked Jones stepping up and trying to branch out despite the pig antics of Pete which I think we've kind of covered, uh, and liked Roger's, Roger, Roger getting punched in the intestines. See, intestines, higher punch than what you thought. Uh, she did. I'm sorry, that's the ball sack. <laughs> uh, she, she really didn't uh, care for, uh, you know, Don cheating and, uh, you know, making out with the girl at the party. Um, I don't, I just, that's, that's, Don. I mean, that's, that's for Don. That's that Don, is, yeah. That is a, they that gotta, is a church They gotta Sunday. ride that one all the way to the finish line. Okay. Um, <laughs> doesn't like that Pete is a whining schoolgirl. I think that's yeah. pretty pretty appropriate. Uh, she, yeah, it, she comes down very hard on Peggy, calling Peggy a corporate asshole. I don't know. I don't know. You need to relax. I don't know if I get that one. Okay. What do you think? No, I don't think so at all. She just knows how this is going to work out. Right. Right. I don't think that makes her a corporate asshole. Yeah. Listen, I've seen some corporate assholes. Peggy is not. <laughs> but thank you, Aisha, for the the note. We got Steve from. Uh, Newark, Delaware, writes in, Hey guys, love the show. I was listening to The Better Half and interested in the Sharon Tate controversy. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, did we talk? We talked about this, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm sure Dr. John has already seen this. Uh, but I found a little tidbit on the Intertron. It's also worth noting that, uh, as Eli Belly pointed out in uh, the comments, that Sally was reading Rosemary's Baby mm-hmm. uh, in the robbery episode and that the movie was directed by Roman Polanski, who was married to Sharon mm-hmm. Tate. Mm-hmm. Apparently, Sharon Tate was subsequently pregnant when she was mm-hmm. killed. And That's right. Megan was intimating that she may be pregnant in the in the fantasy, at least that Don was having. That's right. Um, and what? And Don was uh, whacked out at the time, but I don't think that uh, Weiner would do that for no reason. Uh, so this uh, looks like death foreshadowing for Miss Megan. However, I also thought she would die last year, and it didn't happen. And we did have somebody write on the Facebook. You know that uh, you know a lot of this stuff is not so much uh, a literal foreshadowing of death, but more the death of the relationship that you know Don Megan is pretty much done. Oh, and that's not really? yeah. Um, okay. And uh, was well, so thank you, so Stacy from Michigan writes in. Hi, glad so guys, you guys caught up in the re- uh, the recap. Missed you. Was just looking at a Mad Men site, and one of the trivia questions was, according to Megan, what always makes Don feel better? The answer was swimming, and it was yeah. ironic. Uh, that it makes him feel better in New York, but he's almost he almost drowns twice in California. Here's the thing: I can't remember the second time I actually 
wrote to Stacy to see what the other time was. But maybe you can help me out here because there was this obviously this one. Wait, what mm-hmm. was another drowning episode in California? Uh, well, maybe she's talking. Was she maybe talking about that time that he was walking into the ocean? So I remember Kinda that, like he was going to drown himself. You know what I mean? But I thought that was more of like a baptismal thing. Yeah, that's true. It could have been that too. And then there was a time where he was with that uh, Joy and her little conclave of uh, people. Yeah, and but he, he didn't pass out in the pool. And he, right, he passed out on the side. Yeah. yeah. So, well, you're back. If anybody has information, feel free to let us know. Uh, thank you very much for that, Stacy. Brian writes in. Uh, he's like, uh, we had talked about this show that uh, Don was in, the greatest event in TV history. And so Brian sent yeah. in some links. I've put those up on iTunes. We may get them up on the website. Uh, feel free to check it out. Pretty, pretty funny. And Scott writes in. Um, I started watching Mad Men in March of this year. I've been forced to neglect friends and family, and all my children uh, no longer know my name, but I'm happy to announce I finally caught up. So he started from Series 1, Episode 1, Season 1. How many children does he have? I don't know, but they don't know his name. Uh, But he's now back to society and his kids. So, Scott, good for that. Uh, But uh, he's all caught up on the current shows. He wants to say, I'm not sure if it's the lack of social interaction, but I've developed a comparing theory for where Mad Men is going. Uh, If you remember a few episodes ago, the insurance guy Roger brought in the flood, um, Randy, is uh, actually Ethan Rom. Now, I apologize to Scott. I didn't get a chance to look up who Ethan Rom is, but he says he's from the Dharma Initiative and says uh, an enlightened Roger Sterling will be going to the island in the season finale, and eventually Don will end up there too. It's no coincidence that his flashbacks have been at ages 4, 8, 15, 16, 23, and 42. I find that amazing. I have no idea how you'd know that. Uh, and he says that, <laughs> he says that it's Hobo... Uh, um, or no, yeah, he actually breaks down. So in the Hobo Code episode, he was four years old and then goes through the rest of them and says Don turns 42 this season. Um, I, I still don't know how that's a... I mean, this is amazing. Scott, I appreciate you trying to put this together. Uh, whatever, whatever you use to stay awake for all of these episodes if you want to send us a sample mm-hmm. uh, that would be fine so uh and again even though we uh we're still working on getting all the episodes back up we still were able to get some nice reviews from the uh from the people on itunes thank you very much we love that um you want me to we'll uh, that that's it? it for the mailbag should i break down how you can get in touch with us Sean? let's do it okay number one folks as you know uh you can uh you can find us on the facebooks that's right it's just Mad Men recap. You search for it. We have a fan page. You'll enjoy it. There's lots going on there. John curates it, so of course it's amazing. If you don't like Facebook, I totally understand. I don't either. Uh, you can join us for our, uh, our our tweets. That's right. We live tweet and retweet um, every single live show that we possibly can and do. Uh, it's a great little fun community. we got the folks on there that are tweeting. John, they are hilarious, aren't they? Um, you can find us at uh, on Twitter uh, at uh, Mad Men Recap. So check that out. Folks, uh, if you don't like Twitter, I totally understand. That makes sense to me. Um, you can find us uh, on um, the interwebbers. Uh, that's right. Uh, MadMenRecap.com. All the shows are posted there, so you can listen to us uh, wherever you want. Even if we can't get back on iTunes, we'll always be there. Um, and uh, if you don't want to go to the website because that seems too difficult, uh, you can always email us. At staff at madmenrecap.com. That's how you get your uh, ideas read on the show. John reads all these emails for some reason because he's a great guy. Uh, I, uh, I, I just look for my name when I'm mentioned in them. Uh, that's all I read. 
and uh, it's a great way to get in touch with us, and uh, we, we really appreciate it. Uh, the last way, which John just uh, recently mentioned, if we do get back up on iTunes, is to leave us an iTunes review. Number one, it really helps us uh, stay ahead of the other Mimin podcasts, um, and it also makes us feel really, really good. Did I get it all, John? Way to go. Thank you. Thank you. I've been practicing that all week. Uh, folks, that's it. Great show. Look forward to it next time. Well done, John. You've done it again. Thank you. I'm going to knock, knock it down a notch so that we don't kicked off, get kicked off again. Oh, please, John. It's the swearing. I, although, it's funny. I don't believe I've ever dropped an F-bomb on this show uh, <laughs> until today. <laughs> I would edit that out, but I don't care. That's the problem. Folks, don't, don't, don't think stupid. <laughs> well, nice work. Good night. All right. Bye-bye, buddy. Bye.